You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Brian Brown. I am hosting today's episode of the Locked On Utes podcast. We've got a lot to talk about as we do every single day here in Utah country. Big news on Monday as a future opponent was announced for the Utah football program. We're going to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers, talk about Utah's future schedule, and also going to mention a little bit here about why I think announcing these schedules is a great opportunity for athletic directors to earn a little credit, but a terrible opportunity to put your program into either a good or bad position. We're also going to talk a little bit about local recruiting. Is Utah behind the eight ball with some of the local prospects? Does the smaller class affect any of that? And if so, what can they do to make up ground with some of these local kids? Lastly, University of Utah basketball has a new prospect in their crosshairs. It's Bryson Williams, a transfer from Utah. We're going to talk a little bit about his game, what he brings to the table, and why he might be a good fit for the University of Utah basketball program. All that coming up next on today's episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network for May the 4th be with you, 2021. Thank you for joining me today on the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Brian Brown. I'm one of your illustrious co-hosts. Riding solo today. We'll get Jake back soon later on this week. We'll kind of break down some of the things that are happening on the show as we move forward and also try and update you on any news or happenings going on in the world of Utah athletics. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in, for riding and shotgun with me every single day here. Thank you if you tuned into the Locked on Pac-12 podcast that I did the other day with Cindy Robinson. Cindy is the host now of the Locked on Pac-12 podcast. She does an amazing job, former athlete at Washington State, did her uh, graduate school at USC, knows the conference well, and she and I had a lot of fun. So if you haven't listened to it yet, we break down the first round draft picks from the Pac-12. There is a lot of Panesa will talk. There is a lot of Elijah Vera Tucker talk. Uh, there is some Joe Tryon talk. I'm not going to lie. We talked about all three of them, but mostly we talked about the big, the big offensive lineman. And it was a lot of fun. Cindy's great. I think for those of you who are interested in in the world beyond just Utah athletics, it's a great podcast. I will be joining her again on Wednesday and hopefully continuing that as the show rolls on. In the meantime, I wanted to get to some breaking news on Monday regarding Utah athletics as the athletic department made a big announcement regarding scheduling for the University of Utah football program. 
It was announced that a home-and-home series with the Wisconsin Badgers has been agreed upon for the 2028 and 2023 seasons. The series will start in Madison, Wisconsin on Saturday, September 16th, 2028. Obviously, we don't have a time for that. We can barely get times two weeks in advance, let alone seven years down the line. That game in Wisconsin will be followed up by a return game to Ricicle Stadium on Saturday, September 10th, 2033. So it is a five-year stretch between games for the University of Utah and Wisconsin. Uh, Utes and Badgers have met three times in program history, with Wisconsin holding a 2-1 to edge in the all-time series. Last time the two teams met was when Utah played Wisconsin in the Copper Bowl. Wisconsin was able to take that one out. If you're old like me, you remember that being uh, billed as the matchup between elite bruisers in Ron Dane, the Heisman Trophy winning running back from Wisconsin, and Chris Fumatu Ma'afala. Didn't really pan out that way as Ma'afala went down with an ankle injury, and, and Dane and the rest of the Wisconsin football team sort of ran all over Utah, including the Wisconsin band. It was the most amazing incredible performance i've ever seen by a band and and uh, the football game was great but i'm 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 gonna be honest with you all it was the band that really knocked me off my socks so if you are going to go to madison it's well worth the trip for the band alone also i'm sure anybody who who you know lightly follows college football understands you know that the house of pain jump around in the fourth quarter there and just the environment in general out there in madison and and what an environment it is it is a great place to go watch a college football game without a doubt uh i think it's probably a top 10 venue so something to look forward to obviously uh as the youths move forward the good news is Utah's non-conference schedule is now set for 2028, includes a home game against Dixie State on August 31st, a home game against BYU, and then obviously the away, away game against Wisconsin. Uh, the series against Wisconsin will be the fifth Power 5 contract Utah has signed in recent years with series against Florida, Baylor, Arkansas, and LSU also on the list. It is a testament to Mark Harlan coming in and understanding that scheduling did need to improve. And this is a twofold win for Mark Harlan. One, you're getting the instant credit for getting all these games on the schedule right now. You are bringing some good attention and some positive uh, news towards your program because you are going out and you're getting some incredibly great matchups for your football program. It, it also could reflect reflect very positively on Mark Harlan down the road if Utah's actually able to win these games. As we look at things currently... There just aren't the same caliber of games on the youth's non-conference schedule. This year, in the in the year of our our Lord Kyle Whittingham, twenty twenty one, the schedule for the non-conference games is is pretty lackluster, to be honest with you. You're going to have a September second affair against Weber State. You'll be down in Provo to play Brigham Young University on the eleventh, and then on September eighteenth, you'll be in San Diego to play San Diego State. That's not a great non-conference schedule if you're looking at it from a fan's perspective. Weber State will be a competitive affair, but Utah should win fairly handily. It's always good to give those matchups to Jay Hill and his program, and and Weber State has improved leaps and bounds. Uh, but probably not much of a draw for anybody outside of being the first game of the year. 
Obviously, the rivalry game is going to be something that most people call appointment viewing, depending on how you view the rivalry. I know there's a subset of fans out there that aren't really enthusiastic about playing BYU. I just don't see it changing anytime soon. It's a big money game. There is so much attention that goes around it. And it is, as, as, as much as maybe we wish it wasn't as Utah fans, it is the premier rivalry game for the program and, and one of the premier rivalry games in, in the West, without a doubt. And it still does bring a lot of attention from people around the country. I, I do wish that it was either the, the opener or the closer. Um, I just think it's a better game when, when you have all that time to build up to it. And to be honest with you, Utah's not struggled with winning that game in the last few years. Now, eventually, there's going to be a game where BYU wins. I'm not going to argue against that and... and Clearly, the program is doing better and improved quite a bit under Kalani Sataki. Uh, but at, at the same time, BYU is not the marquee opponent I think that most fans and supporters and boosters are looking for from the program. And part of the reason that you're in this situation right now is because scheduling is done so far out in advance. Uh, some of these schedules were likely set 8 to 10 years ago by Chris Hill. And if you think back to that point in time the university of utah was struggling through five and seven seasons and so they needed an easier slate of games to get through and at the time chris hill looked at it and and, and we've heard him talk about being abc scheduling and everything like that without a doubt this year it's bcc if you're looking at it in terms of uh oh let's talk about let, let's call it maybe uh, prestige across the country um, I do think that that BYU game is always going to be an A game just in terms of level of excitement and level of intensity in terms of in inside the program and people on the outside who are competitive in the rivalry. I don't know that it's always going to be an A game in terms of talent versus talent, but it's a rivalry game, so you kind of throw a lot of that out. Um, but Weber State and San Diego State are not teams that you look at as marquee opponents for if you're the University of Utah. But at the time when the program was struggling to get ahead and get winning seasons under their belts, those were games that they absolutely needed to get. And and the other part of the problem is that for a good chunk of time, there were likely schools that just didn't want to play Utah and schools that wouldn't agree to a home-and-home. And Utah is in a tough position because they need ticket revenue from home games. They really can't afford to give up home games, especially with a 10-game conference schedule so you really can't go play neutral site games because the financial hit to the program just isn't really worth it to you in terms of lost revenue at the gates. So Chris Hill gets made out to be a little bit of, of the, 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 the bummer at, at the party, uh, the turn in the punch bowl, whatever you want to call it, um, because these schedules are not looking great. In 2022, things do improve as Utah will travel to Florida and then return home for Southern Utah and San Diego State. Um, 2023, uh, you'll have Weber State, Baylor, and Florida. So things do start to increase a little bit. 2024, so far, just Southern Utah and Baylor. Uh, assuming that somehow BYU will be worked into that scheduling in 2024, 2025, etc., etc. Uh, but this is is just indicative of a bigger issue with college football. And I, you would think that after everything that, that college football programs went through with COVID, the ability to pivot and make games up on the fly, BYU flying to Coastal Carolina on like four days' notice and playing a game, getting equipment there, everything like that, 
the logistics of these things are difficult to come up with. But the biggest issue is the fact that we're booking these games 10 years in advance. And there's just absolutely no need to do that at this point in time. Two, three, three years out, maximum. And the bigger issue, I think, is that in the in the past, the Pac-12 had kind of tried to arrange uh, alignments with with conference games to so to where they could do conference showcases, and that falling through has really hurt, I think, the University of Utah and some of the other Pac-12 programs in terms of their ability to schedule. Washington State, for example, is just not going to be a great draw to a lot of high caliber programs. There are going to be teams that aren't going to want to play them because they're not a great draw to bring them into their stadium. There are going to be teams that don't want to play them because the odds of winning against Washington State might be a little bit smaller. There are going to be teams out there that don't want to play Washington State because if they just need a money game, they'd rather play a team like Fresno State or Colorado State or Kennesaw State. And so all these reasons start to add up and we start to realize that it's just not it's not good philosophy to book these games 10 years out in advance. For example, if we look at it, the University of Utah has games on the book all the way up until 2023. And let me tell you, the 2030s look amazing to start with, but I will be nearing my 50s at that point. And I can't even, you know, I can't even visualize what I'm going to be doing at the end of next week, let alone 10, 20 years from now. And it just gets kind of ridiculous. You don't know where the program's going to be in the 30s. You don't even know who the coach is going to be, let alone who some of the players are going to be. Most of the guys who are going to be competing at the U are 10 years old at this point. So how in the world can you possibly think that scheduling these games in in any way, shape, or form, uh, other than just getting out and getting those brand name opponents, I don't know how you could possibly think that it's a benefit at all to either your program or to theirs. Uh, maybe there are people at LSU that are excited about coming to see Salt Lake in 10 years, but you can plan a trip out here for the Olympics probably before these games come around. And, and I, look, I know that that's, there's nothing official with that, blah, blah. But the simple fact that there are Winter Olympics games that haven't been planned yet for 2030, and yet the University of Utah football program already has three years in the 30s scheduled out with opponents is just sort of asinine to me. And so this is me ranting against scheduling so far in advance. It would be much better if the Pac-12 would grab hold of the reins and and one can only hope that whoever the new and the next commissioner is can find some way to get some influence on some of the other commissioners to align some of these things because how cool would it be to have a Big 10 Pac-12 matchup in Las Vegas? How cool would it be to plan some neutral site games or or even do an exchange with all those schools and just have it set in stone that a Pac-12 team is playing a Big 10 team for one of your three out of conference games or you could even concede one of your conference games go down to a nine nine game conference schedule add one more non-conference game and make it part of that conference challenge whatever it is you could come up with a stupid trophy have it named after state farm you can make it in the image of jake since he's out there rocking all his mediums all the time i don't even care about that kind of thing there's plenty of ways that you could go about making this more exciting or making it buzzworthy or even making it viral it doesn't really matter but the bottom line is this that we are scheduling these games so far out in advance and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever there is no benefit to having a game on the books 10 years in advance 
other than you might possibly get some money out of it if the other team bails. And the fact that you're scraping for those kinds of dollars probably says more about you as a program or other teams as a program than it really does about the greatness of the games that you're scheduling. This isn't to, to knock anything about the schedule because if the schedule goes through, the upcoming games for the University of Utah are absolutely phenomenal, and, and kudos to Mark Carlin for getting a lot of those games on the book. I don't think anybody is going to complain about uh, playing Florida unless Utah loses, but even then, it's going to be a great experience to go down to the Swamp and play in a game down there, and I hope that Utah fans travel en masse to go see that because it is a very rare opportunity. But the bottom line is, is that this doesn't do anyone any favors other than ADs get some credit right here, right now, but they should get credit for the actual games that they might actually be there for. So all this is just to say congrats to Mark Harlan. He's done a really good job of upping the Q rating for the programs that U University of Utah is scheduling. But the NCAA as a whole needs to reevaluate this, and especially the Pac-12 Conference needs to make some changes to make it more viable to schedule games less than 10 years in advance. And as we're talking about planning things out, there is a holiday coming up that a lot of you may be on, on the lookout for. It's Mother's Day. That's why today's episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Ring sure to bring joy into her life, whoever that is her might be for you uh as i've looked at some of these i'm, I'm just blown away by the beautiful symbol ring from uh for example Lo uh, lola fenhurst um the symbolism is so cool she's also a black designer which was really fun to see um i'm not a big ring guy but even just looking at it, i was i was super impressed with these so if you're on the hunt for the perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever whoever she might be you're definitely going to want to check this out they won't be around for long so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at bluenile.com again it's the 1010 capsule collection of diamond rings at bluenile.com Jumping back into things here on the Locked On Utes podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It was a big weekend for recruiting here uh, locally in, in, in Salt Lake City as the Avery Strong Team Pala 7-on-7 tournament took place here locally. Uh, it was mostly held at West High School. Part of the Avery Strong uh, Foundation is the... Uh, uh, Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation. If you are a subscriber at UDZone or follow 24-7 Sports at all, you know that that is Brandon Huffman's foundation to honor his daughter. And uh, a really great opportunity to, to kind of uh, honor and recognize that foundation and all the good that it does. For those who don't know what DIPG is, it is Diffuse Intrinsic Pontine Giloma. Glioma, excuse me. It's a brain tumor found in a part of the brain stem called the pons that affects children almost exclusively, of which there is no known cure. Uh, it is a really, really great uh, foundation. So if you get the opportunity, go to AveryStrongDIPG.org. Uh, get a donation there for, for them. Uh, you can learn more about Avery Huffman and about Brandon and his family's uh, 
uh, uh, campaign um, to to spread uh, awareness of it and, and to help impact positively um, Avery's using Avery's life. Um, you can also click on the hashtag Avery Strong on social media and see posts regarding that as well. Um, it is a really great uh, charity. Um, but teamed up with Team Pala in order to do a 7-on-7 tournament here. There are a lot of in-state guys that were competing there. Uh, Talsini Akana, who is from Hawaii, played here last season up at Wasatch High School. Uh, picked up an SEC offer while he's at the camp from uh, LSU. Uh, Akana is a linebacker prospect for the uh, 2023 class, 6'4", uh, 225. Very highly recruited. Some of the other names at the camp, Ben Roberts, who we've talked about a little bit, uh, Cody Hagan, George Miley, uh, Carson Tabarachi, Harrison Taggart, Dallas Vakalahi, and uh, Taliafa Ta'ala, who is uh, Ta'ala, I should say, who is an offensive line uh, uh, prospect out of Alta High School. All these, uh, for the most part, uh, athletes are 2022 or 2023 prospects. Uh, Ta'ala is a 2023 prospect. Uh, Smith Snowden, another 2023 prospect. If you've ever listened to Will Snowden on 1280 The Zone, that is his son, Smith. Uh, Isaiah Moa was also there. Um, but in general, as you read this article that was posted on UteZone.com, written by Blair Angulo, who's the uh, the Western Region uh, scout for 24-7 sports, covers the Mountain Region, I should say, Utah, uh, Colorado, and also Hawaii. So yeah, Blair has a pretty good gig in terms of when he, where he's going to travel to. Um, Team Pala is one of those seven-on-seven tournaments that's starting to get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, attention these days. The Level Up Elites is another one. It's kind of the the big deal to have these seven-on-seven tournaments. Think of them however you want. I, I, the more I'm starting to see them, the less I'm starting to really believe there's a whole lot to draw out of them in terms of actually watching kids and, and players and their skill sets. Um, but the more interesting aspect of this article was just reading some of the commentary from some of the, the players. Ben Roberts is a very talented defensive lineman from East High School. Does not hold the Utah offer, but holds offers from schools like Washington. Uh, has has uh, heard from Oregon and UCLA, uh, Baylor, Tennessee, Virginia Tech. All pushing hard for him. Um, but no real influence from the University of Utah and I think it's very puzzling to some people why that might be. I think the first thing to always look at with these situations is that Utah has a specific profile for the players that they recruit, especially the guys in state on the defensive line. If you're a player who doesn't fit that profile, you either need to be an absolutely outstanding athlete and player to go past what Utah normally projects or um you know, there's got to be something on your film that draws them in. And I don't know that Ben Roberts uh, doesn't fit any of those needs as much as Utah probably has other prospects in mind, either at that position, the defensive line. In fact, there's one in the article that I think is probably a bigger priority for the University of Utah and, and Dallas Vakalahi um, as a defensive lineman, defensive tackle. 
He is 6'3", 285 pounds, and a really, really good player out of West High School, one that I'm actually a bigger fan of than Ben Roberts. And, and so with a smaller class, with the numbers that Utah is generating, there are some in-state kids that likely are going to get left out of the equation. This might be a little hard for some fans to stomach two years after you just completely canvassed the state and ended up stealing players like Van Fillinger from Texas and Xavier Carlton away from Washington. But unfortunately, in this year, the needs for this recruiting class are not uh, lining up specifically with the needs or with the with the uh, prospects that the state is offering. And there are a lot of defensive linemen available, a lot of linebackers, and Utah's not going to take just every single linebacker they, they can. I think the ones that they've really narrowed in on for 2022, obviously Land, Lander Barton is a must-get as he is the highest strength recruit in the state for 2022. But I also think that the University of Utah is very high on Carson Tabarachi, as am I. We've talked about him a little bit on the podcast already. Three-star linebacker from Park City. I do think he is probably leaning towards Utah a little bit more so than some of the other in-state prospects. Another linebacker recruit is Harrison Taggart from Corner Canyon. He is an extremely talented athlete that was previously playing wide receiver, got moved to linebacker. He's only played one seasons that they're at linebacker but the 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 talent the measurables everything like that all project very highly so it'll be interesting to see what he happens with him he's starting to hear from a variety of programs but that's now three linebacking recruits that you're targeting in one class that is already rather small and you just brought in a bunch of linebacking recruits last year with mason tufanga and ethan calvert the year previous with uh, uh Sione Fotu, who should be returning in two years from his LDS mission. And so this is where things are going to get a little bit dicey with inside stuff, is that not, you know, and, and Utah already has a commitment from Isaiah Moa, who is likely to serve a mission, so he's going to project two years out anyways. But outside of that, that's just a lot of players to take at one position, and there aren't a whole lot of skill position guys in state that Utah is really going to target and go after. The McKenzie brothers are one that they should uh, definitely try and pursue. They are BYU legacy kids, uh, but they are extremely talented athletes. Luke Hyde is another one that I'm a very, very uh, big fan of. He'll, he'll be playing it down at Lone Peak this year, uh, looking to make the transition to more of a corner. And he's another kid that I think will benefit from uh, from a new recruiting perspective, as he was previously being recruited by Guy Holiday. Um, but there's just not a ton of guys that Utah really needs to go after in this class in state that fill those needs. Not a lot of offensive linemen in 2022 that are highly ranked, in my opinion. 2023-24, uh, very different story as as Taliafi uh, Taala as as we've talked about already from Alta uh, Junior Sia Asaya from um, Mountain Ridge out in Harriman and uh, there's a uh, uh, Isaiah Garcia in 2024 from Cyprus. Uh, his older brother Jackson Garcia is a walk-on currently at the University of Utah. So there are plenty of offensive line prospects coming up in the future. But for the time being, Utah is chasing after offensive linemen. They're chasing after DBs. They're chasing after tight ends uh, in that 2022 class. They already have a, co a quarterback commitment in J.P. Zamora. I think they're pretty uh, firm in that one. Um, 
So it's just, it's one of those situations where we might not see Utah clean up in state like we're used to, or like we might uh, want to. It'll be fascinating to watch and see what happens as players evolve and, and, and the recruiting game develops. It'll be fascinating to see what out of state schools continue to pursue Utah guys, as all everyone's classes are going to be a lot smaller. And so we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep you updated on it as well. But as we move forward, it is definitely something that you want to wa- watch um, and, and keep an eye on, just, you know, just like you do with your car. Yeah. Yeah. So when you keep an eye on your car, you're trying to make sure that it's running well, it's running strong, that it's got all the repairs needed and and necessary. And one of the ways that you can do that is by going to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers uh, online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I don't know why you would spend up to uh, twice as much for the same parts when you can go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. And while you're at it, we're going to tell you where to go. When you need to make some money to pay for those auto parts, it's betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This past week had a ton of sports action on the go. It's the NFL draft was going through with all the prop bets. Kentucky Derby was back as the first leg of the triple, triple Crown was completed this weekend. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, N- NBA, NHL, all your UFC, MMA action. Golf is always a fun one, uh, especially when you're betting on the field. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use that promo code Locked On to get your 50% welcome bonus. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, wrapping up another episode here of the Locked on Utes podcast in the books as the University of Utah basketball program is targeting another transfer portal prospect with Bryson Williams. He is a 6'8", 225-pound forward, started his career at a uh, at, at Fresno State and then ended up transferring to UTEP, now is back in the portal again. But I think this is the kind of player that the University of Utah basketball program should and definitely will need to pursue and, and try and land because I think Bryson Williams is the kind of 6'8 swingman, lengthy uh, uh, scoring type forward that could really do some good for the University of Utah if they're able, able to land him. Williams averaged a tidy 15-7 and seven while at UTEP. He'll be a senior as he transfers. Uh, just a, a really talented guy that I think He's in the game uh, with a few different programs. Texas Tech, for one, is is targeting him. But if this is the kind of guy that the University of Utah needs to continue to target and try and land, these little bit under-the-radar prospects that could have a major impact if they're able to come to the University of Utah. So kudos to Coach Smith and crew for, for targeting him. And fingers crossed that he ends up being the kind of uh, – uh, 
prospect that they can end up nabbing. And if they can actually nab him specifically, that'll be a huge feather in the cap for Coach Smith and his crew. That wraps things up for today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. As always, if you haven't get a chance to listen to the Locked on Pac-12 podcast, uh, you can subscribe, rate, review uh, for that and for this podcast as well. We are hoping that Apple Podcasts will get their stuff together soon, uh, if not already. I'm still waiting to hear from them to confirm that this is actually going to happen. But in the meantime, you can listen to us wherever else you might get your podcast from. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. We love you. Be well, stay well, do well, fam. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for May the 4th, 2021.